What are the most compelling 2023 training camp battles for the Baltimore Ravens? We talk about that and so much more coming up next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host here with you, Kevin Ostraker of Ravens. Why are we here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day? Thank you so much for being here, making us your first listen every day on Locked On Ravens. Free and available as always, all podcasting platforms, including in video form on YouTube. You can subscribe for free. No money involved here. If you want Ravens news, analysis, updates, five days per week, we have it for you here Monday through Friday. No off days, at least no weekday off days on Locked On Ravens. Here today, though, we have a lot to talk about on this show. We're getting closer and closer to training camp here. It's really, really exciting. And I want to get a little bit into the most compelling training camp battles that we have here because there there are a lot of them. And I think it's going to have a huge impact on how Baltimore's roster shakes out, how their starting lineup shakes out, and how they're going to play this year in 2023. Then we'll look a little bit at the fifth year blues that the Ravens have. And if the Ravens could decline even more fifth year options coming up, it's more of a peak into the future. And we'll talk about that in the second part of the show. Then finally, we'll look at some first time pro bowl candidates for the Ravens who has the best shot to make their first pro bowl this year. So lots to dive into. Let's start with the most compelling training camp battles. There, there's a lot. I'm really excited because even if, you know, a certain guy doesn't win a job or doesn't win the battle. Ravens have depth. Now, some battles result in a guy getting cut, right? And that's not, you know, that I feel bad for the player and that's not what you want to see. But in some cases, it's for a starting spot or for, you know, a third wide receiver spot or something like that. So I think really the first one I'm going to, this might be a little, might go bold off the bat here is backup quarterback. I've talked about this for a while now, especially over the course of this week. And I think Tyler Huntley versus Anthony Brown is going to be a real battle. I do. I know some people might not feel that way, but I do feel that way. I'm not as high on Tyler Huntley as, as some. Not saying he's bad. Again, no disrespect. But I, I like Anthony Brown a lot. So I want to see what he has and what he brings to the table here. So I think that that positional battle is going to be really compelling for me to watch because we know Lamar is a starter. There's no question about that 100%. But to me, I don't know. I think that a guy like Anthony Brown could make a push. And if that is the case, what's the future of Tyler Huntley? If you want to know, go, go, go look at some of the episodes we've had throughout the course of the week here because we talk about it a little bit on the show. But another one that I'm excited about is possibly, what I say will possibly be the wide receiver battle, not the sixth spot, we'll talk about that in a second, but the fourth wide receiver spot between Nelson Aguilar and Devin DuVernay. I think we're all in agreement here. The top three, no particular order, Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers. I think Devin DuVernay and Nelson Aguilar will be fighting for that fourth wide receiver spot. Now, I've given the edge to DuVernay, but Nelson Aguilar has improved and, and really impressed in camp based off what he did in minicamp and at OTAs. So maybe he, has, he maybe he has the inside track now. I don't know, but I'm excited to see how that plays out. And the, the sixth wide receiver spot is the one I'm really looking forward to because you have a ton of guys competing essentially for what I believe is one spot. If you don't know, I'm, I'm somebody who – is very much on the six wide receiver train. So I don't think they keep five. I don't, th- I don't think they keep seven. I think it is very much so in, in the five 
wide receiver range for them where that's kind of on the low end and then the seven range is on the high end. So six is right in this, like a sweet spot for me. So that six wide receiver spot could be Dante Demas, could be Laquan Treadwell, could be James Perchet, could be Tyler Wallace, right? There are so many options there. If I had, if I had to pick a guy, I'd probably like if Dante Demas impresses, I'd say him. I could see them keeping Tyler Wallace because of the special teams prowess, Laquan Treadwell, John Harbaugh seemed pretty impressed by him. I think it's probably the end of the line for James Prochet. That's a trade candidate. I should have mentioned James Prochet as a possible trade candidate on a show we did earlier. But James Prochet is somebody as well that I think could be possibly tradable. See, but I think that he's probably not going to win the sixth spot. So that battle to me in particular is very, very intriguing. But one of the most intriguing ones we've been, we've been talking about a lot, left guard, all offseason, we've been talking about it. Where is it going to be Ben Cleveland? Is it going to be, you know, Salah? Is it going to be a guy like, uh, I don't know, even John Simpson, for example. Andrew Voorhees is someone who would have been in the mix there, but I don't think he's going to play this year. The Ravens probably took him as a red shirt pick, which is a very good pick for them. I love that Voorhees pick. 2024 left guard starter. That's my pick if, if Kevin Zeitler stays, if Kevin Zeitler goes. Voorhees is my pick for them for the right guard. So I think Voorhees starts either way, but seems like Salah has the inside track at that job right now based off of the fact that he got first-team rep, Daniel Falele could be an option there. Patch McCarry, maybe, but I think he's better as the, the super sixth offensive lineman guy for them, so I wouldn't put him in that competition. But I think that training camp battle on me is very, very intriguing. On the defensive side of the ball, playing time on the defensive line. That, to me, you know, you're, you're not going to cut any of those top five guys and Michael Pierce, Brent Urban, Travis Jones, Justin Matabike, Roger Washington. But playing time, right? Does Travis Jones get a ton of playing time off the bat? Does that come at the expense of a, a Brent Urban or a Michael Pierce? You know, what's, what's the playing time difference between just a matter of game, Roger Washington? Those guys are, are going to be competing not for roster spots necessarily. In fact, I don't think for roster spots, but for playing time in this defense in now a vacated spot from Clay's Campbell where all those snaps, all those snaps are going to be up for grabs. So we'll see how that plays out for him. Outside linebacker-wise, honestly, I don't really see one outside linebacker unless they maybe bring in a veteran like Justin Houston or something like that outside linebacker I'm not too sure about that one inside linebacker is gonna be interesting especially the kind of like the the latter part of that group where Trenton Simpson Malik Harrison Kristen Welch John Ross Delshawn Phillips those guys are gonna be competing for snaps I think Trenton Simpson has a it's so weird to call it easier like an easier path to playing time because of how many hats he can put on how many roles he can play but at the same time I think that, you know, Malik Harris. So maybe I put Harrison more in the conversation with Delshawn Phillips and, and Kristen Welch and John Ross because Trent Simpson can go and play outside linebacker, go and play deeper up front or whatever. So I don't know about that. I don't think it's too much of a competition between Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, but that's really intriguing. Corner-wise, though, is intriguing to me because you know what Marlon Humphrey is, you know what Rocky Asin is, but we talked about those young guys. We've talked about them all offseason. That's more of a playing time plus, plus roster spot because – there are a lot of guys, you know, Humphrey and Yassine are two. Then between Ardarius Washington, Jalen Davis, Pepe Williams, Trayvon Mullen, Kyle Kelly, some of the undrafted guys, that's five. So seven are the names I listed. The undrafted guys are more. I think the Ravens keep six corners. Maybe they do keep seven. I wouldn't be necessarily shocked if they did. But if it is six, then, you know, it's those guys competing, you know, for all but one roster spot. So one guy gets left out in that equation there. I also think that, you know, when it comes to the slot, the slot job, Pepe Williams versus Arius Washington, is that where you cut from? With Kyle Hamilton, 
Kyle Hamilton's going to play some slot, but I think John Harbaugh's made it pretty clear that they, he wants him and the team wants him more in a traditional safety role, it, it, you know, for the most part. So if you feel comfortable enough with one slot guy between Ardarius Washington and, and Pepe Williams, and then you have Kyle Hamilton as kind of like your backup slot guy, Marlon Humphrey is your backup, backup slot guy. Maybe you can make that work, but we'll see. Safety-wise, uh, I don't really think there's a ton of positional battles here. I mean, maybe you could make the case Brandon Stevens playing time, Geno Stone playing time, but I don't really see too much there. Special teams, there's nothing. Justin Tucker, Jordan Stout, Nick Moore, they're they're all good. So I'm excited to see a lot of these training camp battles. I, I think we're gonna see we're gonna learn a lot about these guys. We're gonna see a lot about how these guys perform under pressure, training camp, preseason. There's lots to look forward to for sure. But coming from the second part of the show, we'll look at some fifth year blues. Talk about Patrick Queen a little bit in that fifth year option. What could be in store for Adafi Owe and Rashad Bateman? So we should have stayed tuned. Planning to talk about on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to be the first home run hitter. All that and not the safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you can get paid instantly. There's over to place to bet all the animal reaction than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So now today, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel official partner in Major League Baseball. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker here with you still taking it through Ravens content. We talked about some training camp battles. Well, let's talk about some fifth-year blues. Obviously, the Ravens declined the fifth-year option on Patrick Queen. It was a major storyline, especially as you know, the draft finished up, we were kind of we were kind of wondering, well, you know, what's where's the Patrick Queen role? What's it gonna be with him? Ravens declined that option. Patrick Queen has spoken about it, and you know, seems to have come to peace after I think you know some social media where he likes some tweets about getting traded to Houston or something, the Texans. So seems like he's come to peace with that decision. But the Ravens have a couple of big fifth-year options to make, or at least decisions on fifth-year options to make with some of their guys next year. And I know this is a kind of a peak into the future. But we, we're, we're going to relate it to Patrick Queen, talk about Patrick Queen a little bit still. Rashad Bateman and Lafayette, two first-round picks for them. Now, obviously, the luxury of having first-round picks in, in the NFL is the fact that you do get the fifth-year option. If a player is outperforming the fifth-year option, you can accept it, and you know you, you get a guy on essentially a bargain deal. But if not, you can cut bait after essentially four years and, and kind of go a different direction. Now, the NFL has changed the way that fifth-year options work. I think that happened one well, no, two, three years ago, maybe four years ago, where it's more accolades-based and performance-based, whereas before it was more of a set number. So at this point with teams like Lamar Jackson, for example, his fifth-year option, despite being the 32nd overall pick, was worlds higher than Baker Mayfield, who was the first overall pick in his same draft because of the fact that at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson had so many more accolades than Baker Mayfield. So if Rashad Bateman goes out there and has an all-pro season and makes the Pro Bowl, that contributes to the, the fifth-year option amount. Same thing with Adafi Owe. Now, the interesting thing with those two guys is, you know, they have to do it when they enter year four. So you, you can't wait until the fifth year and then decline it after the fourth year. You it, It's after the third year, essentially, you have to make that decision. And then if you decline it, you can, you can still resign the guy if you feel like the fit is there and it maybe wasn't with the fifth-year option the fifth-year option number wasn't what you were looking for. But it's different across, you know, all teams, how they value these guys and what that fifth-year option feels like to them when they accept it or decline it. 
Now with Rashad Bateman and Anafe Owe, they're I'd say in different situations. I think Owe is one where we'll we'll start with Bateman. I think for Bateman, he's a guy that has shown the potential. He's shown the flashes, and the thing for him is health. He has not been healthy, fully healthy in two seasons. Has had really disappointing injuries in both of his NFL years. And for him, with what we've seen from him, I think everybody just wants to see a fully healthy Rashad Bateman season. You know, what can this guy do with a fully healthy season under his belt? I think a lot of people are very high on him with hopefully health on his side this year. But we have to see, and the Ravens have to see, and if if they don't get a full healthy season of Rashad Bateman, are they going to say we just haven't seen enough to accept a fifth-year option of whatever that number would be for Rashad Bateman? I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I really don't. For Adafi Owe, for him, it's a bit more performance, right? Where we saw some of the flashes of rookie season, had a couple of really big plays. The second season, he ended up kind of not doing as well, as we know. Fell off a cliff in terms of production a little bit. So if he has another down year in terms of production, I think Owe is a guy who you probably don't pick up that fifth-year option on. And then if he has a great year, you can kind of say, oh, okay, well, the fifth-year option number wasn't worth it then. But, you know, we, we can kind of work towards a long-term deal now. Now, Patrick Queen's situation is interesting because he's someone who, on in a, in a different circumstance, the fifth-year option would have probably been picked up like that super, super quickly. But the way it worked out for the Ravens with inside linebackers over the course of the last six months or so is the fact that they traded for Roquan Smith. He's one of the best inside linebackers in the game. So we're next to Patrick Queen. And then they draft Trenton Simpson, who is a very versatile inside linebacker player. So it's kind of like, well, Patrick Queen has this huge fifth year option coming up. And the Ravens then signed Roquan Smith after they traded for him during the off season. Or I think it was during the season to a five-year one, hundred million dollar extension. And there's, you know, you can make an argument for it, but there's not a, extremely good one for paying two linebackers that amount of money. Patrick Queen is a good player. His career arc has been, you know, all things considered very up and down his first two seasons. I don't think got the proper introduction to the league in terms of, you know, that he came into the league in 2020. That was the COVID year, essentially no in-person stuff, no rookie mini camp took that class a little while. I think just to get up to speed and with Patrick Queen being a guy who needed a little bit of, you know, adjustments in the NFL game. It didn't help him out his first couple of seasons, but then in his third year last year really came on next to Roquan Smith. And I thought really played well. And it it honestly, I want to give him credit. It happened before Roquan Smith. I've said that before, but Roquan Smith just elevated him and honestly the entire defense to a whole different level. So Patrick Queen's future in Baltimore, I'd say it's pretty iffy. I wouldn't anticipate him being back next year. I mean, maybe there's a way that it happens if Queen takes a discount if he plays well. But here's how, how I expect it to play out is he plays really well this year, like he did last year, and a team wants to pay him. <laughs> like a team wants to pay him 60, 80, 100 million dollars over four or five years. And the Ravens will say, you know, that would have been great if Roquan was here, but Roquan is here. <laughs> and that's the situation. And paying two. Well, big money contracts to inside linebackers is I just don't think justifiable with the way the NFL is nowadays where you can bring guys up into the box inside linebackers. Like, for example, with Baltimore, they didn't have to play two inside linebackers on the field because they would just use Chuck Clark in the dime roll. And that was that for a wide receiver in Bateman or for an outside linebacker in OA, there was more of a reason to bring those guys back, even if there is one of those guys like another player at that position on a big money contract. So if you have Odell on a huge money contract after this year, cause he, you know, it all works out when he signs because he has to, if the Ravens don't want the den money, 
But if that happens, you can say, well, okay, fine. We'll give Rashad Bateman the high cap number because it's fine to have two receivers on, you know, high level cap hits. Same thing with outside linebacker where um, I wouldn't anticipate the Ravens bringing in a huge outside linebacker cap hit guy over the course of the next year or so, unless they make a big trade, but it'd be better to have two high cap outside linebackers and two high cap inside linebackers. I know, I know that whole phrasing is kind of confusing, but it's what I'm saying is for Bateman and OA, two different circumstances where Bateman, I think the fifth year option is going to be determined more on health than performance. And the fifth year option always going to be determined more on performance than health, because it's really valuable to have these younger guys on, on rookie contracts. But once that third year ends, the way that the fifth year option has been, I guess, moved. And again, the number is going to depend. Like if Oe doesn't have a good year and the number is lower than maybe the Ravens thought it would be, then maybe they can pick it up and say, well, we know you haven't performed very well for the past couple of years, but at that number, we're willing to bet on you one more time. With Bateman, I mean, kind of the same thing a little bit, but I think it's, it's better to me to have the Ravens pay a wide receiver a high cap number, have the Ravens pay an outside linebacker a high cap number, and that would be that in that situation. Coming up the final part of the show, we'll be rounding out with first-time Pro Bowl candidates, talking about who on the Ravens has the best opportunity to make their first Pro Bowl. So if you're just stay tuned, plan to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. We're back here rounding out Locked on Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with you as we dive into first-time Pro Bowl candidates. I, I want to give a quick shout-out here to both Ryan Mink and Garrett Downing of BaltimoreRavens.com. They, they put out an article, their potential first-time Pro Bowl candidates, the Ravens mailbag, who, you know, one of the questions asked was, who do you think has the best chance on the Ravens roster to be a first-time Pro Bowler? And, you know, both guys answered the question, and I thought their answers were really good. I'm going to kind of read a little bit of what they had to say and then also give my answer as well. Ryan Mink had, you know, several good guys. He said Marcus Williams, Tyler Linderbaum, J.K. Dobbins, Patrick Queen, and Kevin Zeitler. Now, my top pick is Kevin Zeitler. I will I will bang that Kevin Zeitler Pro Bowl drum until I can bang it no more because he has deserved to be in the Pro Bowl. Each of his first two years as a Raven, he has gotten snubbed inexplicably. Inexplicably, he's been snubbed both times. I don't understand how it happened, but it happened, and we're here now. Kevin Zeitler absolutely deserves to be in the Pro Bowl. And I'm, look, he has to have a good year in 2023. It's just he can't get in based off past merit. But the fact that he has had such good years for Baltimore, both years he's been with the team, and he hasn't made the Pro Bowl, it just it doesn't sit right with me. It does not sit right with me. Dobbins is a good one. I think that there are a lot of talented running backs in the AFC. So I know how many they, they have three running backs that make the Pro Bowl. I mean, the Pro Bowl is so weird. It doesn't really mean a lot anymore. Like I'd rather see all pros than, than Pro Bowls, but obviously Pro Bowl still means something, right? Like it, it doesn't mean nothing, but I think Dobbins is a good choice when it comes to that as well. Also, I like the Marcus Williams pick. I think Marcus Williams has a really good shot to Jesse Bates from Cincinnati goes to the NFC. And I think that opens up a spot in the AFC safety rotation. So, you know, Derwin James is going to be there every season, right? There are a couple other options you could look at, but I don't know. I think Marcus Williams, Tyler Linderbaum is a good one too. I think he has a realistic shot at it. The way that he played in 2022, you could argue he could have maybe made it, but I think with another year under his belt, that's good. Patrick Queen, super interesting. I think Patrick Queen is one that, you know, there are a lot of good inside linebackers in the, in the AFC. Tremaine Edmonds goes to Chicago. So that's one spot open, but how, how cool would it be if the Ravens had two, inside linebacker pro bowlers in Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. I would personally love that. I think, you know, so those, those were Ryan's five guys and Garrett Downing. Oh, I, I see. So Garrett didn't actually answer the question. He answered another question about um, 
Which oh, he actually answered a question about my second segment. He said, "Which 2121 first back is at a bigger risk of not having his fifth year option picked up?" So great minds, great minds think alike, I guess. Rashad Bateman or Oa, and just for fun here, uh, he said that you know it's a big year for both 2021 first round picks, and I think that he, yeah, his answer was pretty much Oa. I think for the most part, just scrolling over it here a little bit, but I think we, we kind of share a lot of the same points with Bateman's health and Oa's production. So that's really funny, actually. But so Ryan's Pro Bowl options, I think, are right in line with mine. I think if I had to give another guy, I think Kyle Hamilton potentially could be a first-time Pro Bowl option. He's someone who is very versatile, as I've talked about on the show plenty. And him and Marcus Williams are both guys who can make their first Pro Bowls. I'd be really cool with that. And I think it'd be really awesome to see both those guys make the Pro Bowl. I think another guy I'm going to throw, just for fun, I'm going to throw a crazy scenario out of left field, just out of nowhere. <laughs> I think that if Patrick Ricard gets cut, that's where I'm going. If Patrick Ricard gets cut, Ben Mason, Ben Mason would <laughs> make his first Pro Bowl. Because look, hear me out. Look, I think Patrick Ricard makes the team. I don't think this is a scenario that happens whatsoever. But if Patrick Ricard gets cut, Ben Mason is somebody who, with the way that fullbacks are not really being used in the NFL anymore, with the way that he could be used as a receiver, I think the Ravens are really high on him as a receiver. Ben Mason, if he gets a role in this offense, could. That to me is one. I'll give you another one that's out of out of left field. Isaiah Likely. <laughs> Let's get crazy, crazy, crazy here. Isaiah Likely, someone I think to make their first Pro Bowl in the event that Mark Andrews gets injured or something. I don't want that to happen, but I'm just giving I'm just giving scenarios out here. If Andrews gets hurt, and I, I really hope he does not knock on wood, I, I'm knocking on wood here. Isaiah Likely, with the production that we saw out of him when Andrews did miss time with an injury last season, he could be a guy. He could absolutely be a guy that makes the Pro Bowl. So that's one. Defensive line, Justin Matabike could be one that makes his first Pro Bowl. It's, it's possible. I mean, with Baltimore needing defensive line snaps, with Baltimore needing really good production from at least one or two of their younger guys, and that trio of Justin Matabike, brought to Washington, and Travis Jones. I think Matabike has the clearest path of playing time, and I think he will get the most playing time out of those three. And maybe he has a breakout season, and he makes his first Pro Bowl there. Other ones that I could see, I don't really see any others, but I think all pro-wise, like when, when you're talking about guys with all pros, I think that this could be a big bounce back year for Lamar. And making an all-pro team, you know, we saw a couple all-pros. You know, we see the Ravens all-pros all the time here with uh, Roquan and Marlon Humphrey and all those guys. But maybe when you're talking about like evolution, you know what? What's funny about it is I think maybe if Rashad Bateman has a big year, he could make his first Pro Bowl. Maybe, right? I mean, if if Odell has to miss some time, and you know Bateman has to be relied on, and he can play full 17 game season or yeah, 17. That's what it is now. <laughs> I keep getting confused. A full 17-game season, I think that Bateman could. Another sleeper one. This one isn't necessarily out of left field completely. Jordan Stout. Maybe Jordan Stout makes his first Pro Bowl. You know, again, very up and down year, I'd say, for Jordan Stout last year. I, I think we, we were all expecting maybe a little more. But from what we saw consistently with Sam Cook for so many years in Baltimore, there was always going to be that drop-off. And I think maybe it hit people a little t- a little bit harder than others. So I, I don't know, you know, what Jordan Stout's career trajectory will be. Maybe it won't be anywhere close to Sam Cook. Maybe it will be. But with, an, with another year with Cook, with the special team staff there in Baltimore, maybe it is. But my, my favorite, I would feel I would feel so happy for, for J.K. Dobbins if he were to make it. I mean, he's somebody who works extremely hard. 
Obviously, he's looking for a big contract number two. It would help him a lot when it comes to that contract to getting the Pro Bowl accolade in there as well. That'd be massive. And, you, you know, you talk about it. I just talked about it in the second segment. Adafi Owe and Rashad Bateman making the Pro Bowl. Since the fifth-year option is accolades-based, it would help them a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton in terms of getting that up. But again, the Pro Bowl compared to what it was, we've had the conversation about, you know, how the NFL should fix the Pro Bowl and what it should be and whatnot. The All-Star game in the NBA is kind of, is kind of similarly declining in popularity where people just don't play defense. I mean, they had to make the Pro Bowl game a flag football game this past year. It's it's completely dead. And part of the reason is because, you know, guys just don't want to risk getting injured. And that to me is like, you know, you talk about like the NBA in-season tournament that you're going to think is going to be in like December or something. It's those like meaningless, essentially meaningless games. that don't, they don't, players don't want to go out there and get injured and cost themselves money in that. So the, the game itself is complicated. I think what they should do to fix the Pro Bowl and make more guys want to actually go to, you know, the Pro Bowl games or whatever it is, is, you know, they can have the games aspect, but I also think with just, you, you vote guys to the Pro Bowl and then guys can decline or accept as they want. You know, you don't have to necessarily force them to be there. You don't have to have all these alternates. You just say, if you want to go, you can go. If you don't, you don't have to. And then you just keep going. You, you have like 50 alternates. Like, you know, you, have, you don't have to announce them. But you have 50 alternates of guys. You send out the invitation. If the guys want to go, great. If they don't, whatever. They don't have to go. But it's such a it's such a weird thing because football is such a violent sport. And if you don't play hard in the Pro Bowl, no one's going to want to watch it. But if you do, there's an increased risk for injury. And how worth it is it for you to tear ACL in the game? So the Pro Bowl now is, is more for show. Like, you know, you have the five-time Pro Bowler, and it's more like, oh, you, they're recognized as one of the best in their conference and obviously all pros as well is, is a, another thing that is the accolade aspect of it. But I think that Baltimore has a lot of up and coming players. We've talked about the ceilings of these guys, you know, talked about how deep they are as a team. Baltimore has a lot of guys that can go out there and perform at a high level. And I think we will see, I mean, my prediction is that we will see one Raven make their first pro bowl. I think there are too many good options between Kevin Zeitler and Patrick Queen and Marcus Williams and J.K. Dobbins and all those guys, you know, Jordan Stout and all those guys I mentioned. Again, the Ben Mason, the Isaiah Likely, like, okay, I, I get it. <laughs> Probably not going to happen. That's more of a shot in the dark if, if a very specific situation happens. But there are enough actually, like, realistic options for them to make the Pro Bowl in their first year. Where I'm confident to predict that Baltimore will have at least one guy, if not multiple, and make their first NFL Pro Bowl. So I'm, ex- I'm excited. I really, you know, the games itself are not that exciting to me anymore. I mean, like Tyler Huntley made it last year. Was he deserving of it? <laughs> Up for debate. I mean, I'm very, I'm happy he made it. Like the shout out to Tyler Huntley. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback. You cannot take the, that away from him no matter how hard you try. But again, I just think the way the Pro Bowl set up now, it's you know, not, not as fun to watch, which is unfortunate. But, you know, it's about the accolade. It's about getting recognized, is having your accomplishments recognized. So hopefully a couple of Ravens can uh, have their accomplishments recognized this year. But that's all I have you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe, follow along in audio form. Let me get back here on Monday. More Ravens content from my show. Be sure to stay tuned for that, and I'll see you right back here on Monday on Locked on Ravens.